HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Naoki Takahashi, a Japanese restaurant in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Food Without Borders, a show about food, politics, and identity. I'm your host, Sari Kamen, and we are in the Heritage Radio Network studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today, my guest in studio is Chef Saul Montiel. He was born in Atotonico El Grande, a small town outside the city of Pachuca in central Mexico. He's the executive chef of Cantina Rooftop in Manhattan and La Unica in Atotonica, El Grande, Mexico. Welcome to the show, Chef Sal Montiel. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Do you prefer to be called Chef Sal, Chef Montiel, Sal? What's your preference? Sal is fine. Sal is fine. Okay, well, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming out on this incredibly frigid evening. My pleasure. I love this place. You love Roberta's? Yeah, I come here at least once a week with my, I mean, once a month with my daughters. Oh, that's awesome. Do you live near here? No, I live in Staten Island. Oh, okay. But I love the So pizza. you must really love it because yeah. you really make that track. Yeah. Um, well, I'm so happy you're here and thank you, thank you for taking the night off work. Um, so let's get into it. So you were born, like I said, and you helped me with the pronunciation, Atotonica El Grande. Um, and I know you, you primarily grew up there. What was, what was your childhood like there? Well, um, I grew up when, with, uh, with my mom. Uh, she was a single, a single mother. My dad passed away when I was three years old. Mm. So I grew up in a house of um, of a single mother and three other siblings. So it was very hard, you know, because it, we we didn't have everything we needed to to grow up. How did you How did you manage? I mean, what was it like? I mean, for your mom, I'm sure trying to feed for hungry children did you start cooking with her at a young age to help out well actually when i was you know as as as, as i was i was growing up i was you know seeing my mom uh struggling you know putting food on the table um at the age of uh nine i started working wow. like a part-time and on a on a fruit market so i was selling like apples oranges i was like do you remember that yeah yeah because i was i was having so much fun 
You were having so yeah, much it was, fun. It was great. It was great to sell oranges, apples, watermelons. It does sound like a cool job for a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though probably that wouldn't fly here in the United States. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's very normal in Mexico. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, what kind of dishes do you remember growing up with? I'm assuming your, your mom probably cooked a lot for all of you. Well, I remember the, like my favorite thing. One of my, so many favorite, so many favorite dishes that she used to make. But I remember when she used to make tortillas, like a laminute. I used to love it. That have the fresh corn tortilla with sea salt. That was my favorite thing to to just eat. Just plain with fresh yeah. sea salt. Yeah, <laughs> it's delicious. That sounds so good. It's just like eating fresh bread, you know. It's, yeah. When it comes out of the oven, it's just you just want to eat a lot. But. Yeah. Um, when did you start <coughs> cooking? Were you pretty young? Well, like I say, I, I, I started working at a very early age, and um, I, I, started, um, I started helping my mom a lot, like cleaning tomatoes, uh, cutting meat, um, dicing jalapenos, dish, washing dishes. So from the age of 9 to uh, 15, I was always in the kitchen. Always, and it sounds like you were really sort of learning the foundation of what it was like to be in a restaurant, even in your home. Yeah, exactly. It was part of my 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 routine. Like, if I wanted to do something, I had to earn it. Like, if I wanted to go play soccer, I had to wash the dishes, clean the bathrooms, go buy the groceries. So I started working at a very early early age. Yeah, um, and you left when you were fifteen, right? Yeah, almost 16, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you go on your own, or what made you make that decision? Um, well, basically, you know, as uh, we come from a very poor poor family, so I see a lot of people, like uh, Mexicans going back home uh, from the United States and, and wearing really cool um, um, jeans, shoes, having a lot of money, trucks. So I was like, I wanted to... When they to, came back to visit, yeah. they had those things. So, like, I wanted to be like them, and... Yeah. and and, and and I don't know, I guess seeing my mom always working, I kind of wanted to go to that way and towards going to, to school. So at the age of almost 16, I decided to come back to, to the States. I met a friend and uh, I crossed the border when I was 16, almost 16 years old. What was that experience like? It, it, I was very excited. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't afraid. For what? Why? I don't know. I don't know why I was afraid, but now I'm afraid to cross it. Yeah. But um, I guess I was very ambitious. I wanted to help my mom, my my siblings. And the only thing that was on my head crossing the border, it was finding a job that I can help my family back home. Was it, um, I mean, was there anything treacherous about crossing the border? Uh, yeah. Well, basically, we, we, we walk for like uh, three nights and maybe two days. We run out of water. Um, I remember drinking water where, you know, where the cows and, 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 and horses drink water. Sure. So I used to put my, my, my shirt under so I can get all the uh, dust away and then I would drink water from there. Uh, not only me, it's me and probably four, uh, six others. And um, we ran out of food. So we had to, you know, just struggle, like wait until we, we cross. And we crossed in the desert in Arizona, and um, and then we took a train. And by that train, there was like a cargo train. Basically, they were full of, 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 of cows, of animals, so you have to jump on it. <laughs> so a lot of people in the past, what I hear is that they fell and then they cut their legs, their oh arms, whatever. Yeah, it's, it was, I was, that was like, I, I think that was the only scared part that I was scared of, fell, falling out of the, 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 the train. Yeah. 
But you made it, and your friends made it? We made it, yeah, but I had to jump out of the train, I remember, because it was this guy, he was like 12 years old, he he got behind, so we all jumped into the, onto the uh, cargo train, and we look back, and the guy is like running after us, so we decided to jump back. So we <laughs> did it again. Yeah, and we all hit ourselves, you know, like arms and legs. It was pretty, pretty rough. So what we did after that is like, you know what? Now you, since you're the youngest, why you go first? Yeah. After because we didn't want to leave anybody behind. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that I can see from your perspective, like when you were so young, that that was all, you know, probably an adrenaline rush at the time because you were too young to have like adult anxieties about it. But I'm sure like looking back, you must be like, oh my God, I can't believe that I did that. Yeah, now that I have two daughters. Yeah. And I think I'm like, I will never let my daughter go through that. Right. You know, but but something that I admire about my mom is that she believed in me. She 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 trusted me. So she's like, listen, I'm going to let you go. She didn't try and uh, stop you. Yeah, she's like, I'm not going to stop you. You know, uh, I went through some of my, uh, She told me this. I went through something with my parents. They never believed in me. So I want to believe in you. Mm. So you better get it together <laughs> and, and, and do the right thing. She, t- she told me to stay away from drugs, to, st- you know, to know, to be a good man, a good citizen. And so far, uh, you know, I, I think I am. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, most of the time I am. Um, so how did you, what happened when you got to the United States? How did you land on your feet? So I, uh, I started working in San, San Jose, California. So I was doing a little bit of landscaping, uh, painting, construction i didn't really like it because it wasn't really i wasn't feel any connection to what i was doing like i wasn't happy doing it so um i find out they had some parents uh some members of my family in new york and um by that time i was making like 180 dollars a week in san jose and if i will take a trip to new york i will make 220 a week and i don't have to pay lunch in california i had to pay lunch because in New York, if I work, I will be working on kitchen, so I will never have to pay for food. Right. So I was like, I did my math. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to take a trip to New York. And you knew at that point, too, you already wanted to work in a kitchen? No. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> I hated it. When I first moved to New York, I hated it. Oh, you really just did it for the free lunch? Yeah, because, uh, I mean, if you live in San Jose, California, you know, you have a lot of nice gardens, a lot of nice houses, a lot of weather. It's much nicer than here. So when I moved, when I got here, I was living in Harlem. So Harlem, 20 years ago, it was it wasn't a good area. So I was I was afraid of of, of my life, you know, sometimes because there were so many gangs and stuff. Yeah. So I didn't really like it. So, but then I started working in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and that was like the bright part. The first day. I didn't like it either because I hated it. I, I remember they told me I was going to wash dishes. No one told me it was going to be at night, overnight. Right. So pick yourself. You're, 50, you're almost 16 years old, and, and, and you walk into the kitchen. At 9 o'clock, at, you know, at midnight, everybody leaves. You're the only one there. So I was doing a porta job. I was supposed to clean the entire kitchen. I didn't know. Yeah. So they, hand me, they give me all these chemicals, like the greasers and and some other, you know, cleaning supplies, and I didn't know how to use them. So I jump on top of the of the stove, and I start spray the the degreaser, right? And, and 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 as I was spraying the degreaser, it was folding in my on my arms. So we start itching, and I look around, and no one's there. So I started crying. 
<laughs> because uh, I'm like, oh, I did design for this. This is not what I want, blah, blah, blah. But I had to finish it because, you know, you had to do it because, you know, that's part of my job. So the, the next morning I went to, to my chef and be like, hey, listen, uh, I, I love, I want to work. I love the kitchen, but I just, that's, that's not something that I wanted to do. And, he, and I asked him, what can I do? He's like, listen, just focus on learning, like learn a lot. And I'm like, how can I do it? He's like, just come earlier. You know, don't expect anything like paying for it. I come three hours earlier and, and eventually you will get a chance. So I did. I came three, four, five hours earlier. Um, and I end up saving money because if I come earlier, I don't have to buy lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so I was learning and, and the guys that I was working with, they were very excited to, to see me because I was doing their job. Mm. So I was like, you know, but I was so excited. And one time one of the uh, salad guys didn't show up because he went out and, you know, got drunk, whatever. So the chef got angry and said, listen, you don't, you don't want the you job. Were. Yeah, so like, you want it? Like, it was only a matter of time. Please. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, so this is like an investment. That's, uh, that's a bit, that to me is an investment. You, you invest in learning and eventually you will get positions and money. I mean, that's what school is, right? Yeah. That's what you were doing. Yeah, but I was more focused, focused, I was more focused on learning, uh -huh. the, 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 the cooking. And uh, what I do best is Italian, even though I'm Mexican. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was that was how you made your way from being a dishwasher yeah. to getting behind the line. Yes, and then it went like that. And, and then, then there you go. Well, before we get to that part, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to continue. Oh, Sounds good. This episode is brought to you by Naoki Takahashi, a restaurant in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan. When you dine at Naoki Takahashi, you'll feel like you've been transported to Japan. Sample a little bit of everything with kaiseki menus, or let Chef Naoki lead the way with his omakase menu. A la carte and vegetarian dishes are also available. Learn more at naokitakahashi.com. That's N-A-O-K-I-T-A-K-A-H-A-S-H-I.com. Hey, you are listening to Food Without Borders on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sari Kamen, and I'm in studio talking with Chef Saul Montiel. Hey, Chef. How are you? Welcome back. <laughs> Very well. Uh, so you just told us uh, the story of coming to the United States from Mexico and starting to work as a dishwasher in restaurants and then kind of just being a diligent hard worker, getting yourself up there. Um, to the point where you were cooking. And I know you, you mentioned you were cooking a lot of Italian food, working in a lot of different Italian restaurants. Yes. So how did you make the transition going from Italian food uh, coming back, I guess, full circle to Mexican food? Well, I've, I've been cooking Italian food for the past, I will say, 15 years. And I, I, I really loved it. I, mean, I love it because it's... It's, it, it's it's very similar to a Mexican food because it's all about grandma's food, you know? Like, if you go to Mexico, it's all about grandma's food. If you go to Italy, it's all about grandma's food. Sure, yeah. So, you know, they play with pasta. We play with masa. You know what I'm saying? Like, they make different shapes of pasta. We make different shapes of tortillas. Had you ever had Italian food before you came to New York? No, never. No, mm -hmm. never. No, no, nothing. 
but did you feel like when you had it for the first time where you're like, okay, like I get this. This reminds me of other things I've had. Yeah, I really like it because of the simplicity mm-hmm. of how, of, of, of the simplicity and, and the quality of the ingredients. So it, I felt like it was really easy and fun to play with. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. And that. really tasty. Really tasty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at what point did you make that transition, though? Because Cantina, obviously, is, is yeah. Mexican. So basically, uh, you know, I work on a lot of uh, celebrity chefs like uh, Sarah Jenkins, Amanda Freitag, Amber Rell, uh, some others. And um, uh, I don't know, I feel like I was I was doing something that, I, that I, it's not really who I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because... When you see a Mexican chef cooking Italian food, you was like, there's a disconnection right there, right? It's, it's not that often. So I decided to learn how to, how to make Mexican food because that's what I grew up eating. So um, when did I start making? But you already probably had a lot of the fundamentals down just from cooking as a young person. I wasn't really cooking. I was more like a prep guy. Yeah, <laughs> so, okay. So I knew, I knew what a, a good tomatillo was. I know what a good poblano was because of my mom told me what what ingredients she wanted all the time but um i just felt like at one point in my life i felt like i was disconnected of 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 from my culture like who i was and who i was becoming so i stopped doing italian and decided to do mexican because you know i love it yeah and did you do you think part of that came from like you just missing where you came from and wanting to feel connected to it again? Yeah, but I think so, yeah, because, you know, on my days off when I was cooking Italian food, I was always eating Mexican, always, yeah. always, always, no matter what. And, and, I, and I, you know, as growing up in, in New York, you, we always miss the, the, the part of, of, of our culture, the food, which is a very important part of Mexican culture. Yeah. It's one of the biggest. Did it fulfill something for you, like being able to helm a Mexican restaurant? Did you feel like a sense of yourself coming back? Yeah, I feel like it was. No, I didn't feel like I was home, but I felt happy yeah. eating Mexican food, like eating chicharrón with salsa. It was just, it's like taking me away from 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 the city and and eating the the the, the food. It made me make me feel good. Yeah, um, and is the food at Central Mexico? Is it inspired by food that you ate growing up? Is it inspired by the the region of Central Mexico that you came from? The food that I'm cooking at Cantina. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, basically, uh, yeah, we're focusing on on Central Mexico. It's a lot of uh, um, homemade tortillas, um, tacos, quesadillas, moles. So it's very it's more focused on Central America of uh, Mexico. And you also took over your grandparents' restaurant. Is that right? Mm. No, not really, but <laughs> there is a little story behind it. Okay. So, uh, you know, my, my grandma, just she, she opened a restaurant called La Unica, which stands for the only one. She, she, she was the only restaurant at the town. I'm talking about 60 years ago, probably 70 years ago. So it was the only restaurant. So they opened another one in my town. So they had two restaurants. And they have, uh, I believe, 11 children. And, and none of them decide to keep running the restaurant so my parents my grandparents passed away and no one wanted to keep doing the restaurants so um um i had a dream that i was uh, that i wanted to go back home one day and and open a restaurant but i opened my mom's restaurant my grandma's restaurant because i grew up there and in uh, last year 2017 uh, i got uh, I, I was applying for my green card I went to get my visa and I got denied. I couldn't come back to the States because uh, 
I say something wrong, and even though know, I commit to do something, I just said I did something, and and then they were like, oh, just because you said it, you you came back, you can't go back to the states for six months. So my wife was pregnant at the time; she was eight months here. Yeah, here in the states, and I had a, a, a two and a half year old daughter. So I went back to get my visa to fix my status, and then they don't let me. They don't let me back, right? So I. Uh, this was just last year, mm-hmm. right? Sorry. No, that's okay. Take your time. We can change the subject too if you'd rather do that. So I, uh, I couldn't come back to the states, and uh, um, I was, you know, worried because. I had to take care of my wife, my daughter, my future daughter. Yeah, that sounds really, really tough. So. so. It's okay. okay. Well, I'm glad to know, skipping to the ending, that you're here. (laughs) (laughs) You know the fight. Yeah, so good spoiler alert. You know the ending. (laughs) (laughs) So I couldn't come back to to the stage, right? So, um for six months and I didn't know what to do because my wife was pregnant I had to pay all these bills and you know I'm like oh my god so I, I was trying to work in Mexico I couldn't work because uh, they needed me to sign a, a, um, a contract for like a year or two years so I, I was just gonna stay for six months because my family is in New York so I'm like oh what should I do I was start to I was thinking to immigrate to Canada and work there because you know they, they pay good and Lifestyle is better there, so I was just going all over the place. And uh, one one night, I started looking at my Instagram uh, from years ago, and I looking at all the pictures. I was like, man, I've been doing consulting, I've been helping friends. I used to own a restaurant when I was 37 years old. I mean, like, why can't I open my own restaurant in my own town? So <laughs> that night I couldn't sleep. It was like 5:30 in the morning. My my mom she gets she wakes up at five. So I went downstairs because she she has a little restaurant, and I went up to her. My mom, what about if I if I open a restaurant? Because I need to provide for my family. I need to do something. And she's like, Yeah, of course. You know, you're my son. You always there for me. You know, I'm here for you. Whatever you need. So I'm like, Okay, good. So I felt really good. I, ha- I felt that excitement that I always. You had a plan. Yeah, I, that I always have when I work in New York. Like I had the excitement of opening up a place and get, putting it together. And I went up to my sister. And I was like, hey, listen, hey, what about if I open a restaurant? And she's like, yeah, of course, you know, you're always there for us. Like, it's time for us to to support you and to be part of this. So um, the restaurants didn't exist. Like, my grandma's restaurants didn't exist anymore because they were all old. So we found a place, and and, and, and I call it La Unica now. So I opened my, like, you know, what my, grand restaurant, my grandparents' restaurant used to be. And uh, it was a mix of both worlds, like the American world and the Mexican. So I put a menu together, Mexican and, and American. And now it's been a year in, in two months, all La Unica in, in my hometown. So it's almost like the reverse of Cantina. It's like you took what you knew from America yeah. and put it there instead of taking what you you know were drawing upon from America, from Mexico and, and incorporating it into the menu at Cantina. Yes, basically that's what it is. <laughs> and you were able to come back. Yeah, to so I got my I got my, my visa. My wife, she was very supportive at the time and she's still very supportive. Mm. Uh, and uh, she she was checking 
She was checking uh, online every day to see if, if they already approved the visa. And uh, and one time, of this one of these days, she 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 saw it and she called me. She's like, Ellie, you got approved. I was yeah. like, oh, I wanted to scream. But at the time, I was in a classroom with a bunch of parents because <laughs> I, was, I went to my my niece uh, like a parent reunion. So I went there and I couldn't scream and yell, but I was so happy. You were screaming on the inside. <laughs> and then I came back to the States and I was like, you know, I was so happy. I was like, oh man, life sucks sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's well said. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole issue of, you know, what's happening in our country in terms of immigration and just the way, you know, it's so difficult for people to come since Trump's been in office is obviously really personal and really emotional for you. Um, I mean, how does it feel to be now that you're back in the United States, kind of just bearing witness to like this whole, you know, build the wall and the way the Trump administration is like referring to Mexicans in all these really derogatory ways? Do you feel like you really want to still be here? I mean, I don't I see America as, as my as my own country now, even though I'm no citizen yet, but I'll become soon. Um, it. I don't think it's. It kind of has something to do with Donald Trump a little bit, but no, not all the way, because we had all these issues since the past, mm. since Bill Clinton, since uh, George W. Bush, since Obama. So I think right now what Donald Trump is doing is is enforcing the law, and he's been he's been he's been mean because he's he's taking a decision based on two or three things. Like you can do that, you can judge people or entire country because of few few people you know i think that's not fair what would you say to him if he came what would i say to if he tried to eat in your restaurant <laughs> i don't know if he'd be allowed to stay or not i would go for him i'll be very happy to go for him you know so mm-hmm. he can see what 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 actually what we're doing in, in the states you know well, we're, that's powerful. we're no we're not raping anybody <laughs> we are no uh we're no we don't do with drugs we deal with food and we make a lot of people happy and I'll be more than happy to cook for him. Yeah. Just like I am to cook for anybody. I just disagree with him in a lot of things, but that doesn't mean I should be mean to him. Well, you're not a mean person like he <laughs> it's, it's easier to be nice. Yeah, that's well said too. It's nicer too. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you've had experiences where you've been able to kind of teach people through your food? Or do you ever Have you ever encountered someone you felt like perceived you or you know, other Mexican people in a certain way and then they were able to like talk to you and eat your food and they had their their feelings, you know, just shifted after that? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I was cooking Italian food, you know, like a lot of customers, well, they would be like, oh, I would like to meet the chef. And then I come up to some Mexican chef. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And like, oh my God, really, you just cooked this? I'm like, yeah, and that's my favorite pasta, matrechana. And uh, they actually, they they... I can see they, they didn't expect a Mexican. Sure. So there's a lot of people like me, a lot of Spanish people, Latino, they, we're doing a lot of great things and we're changing, we are showing the world that we are more than what Donald Trump thinks about us by being simple, you know, by doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, well, Sal, it was so wonderful to have you here and thank you thank for you. being so open and telling us your story tell us where we can come find you at the restaurant and eat your food <laughs> yes well basically we have two locations now uh one is they're both in the same building both in the same building yeah 605 west 48th street cantina rooftop and cantina 48 now okay 
And that rooftop is, it's all about summertime, right? Yeah, summertime, in spring too. Yeah. I mean, uh, right now on, on, on winter, we do a lot of events, so you can have the view of, of the sky. Uh, so it's pretty, it's pretty good. But on summer, in spring, it gets pretty crazy. So you better make a reservation. Okay, <laughs> we have that to look forward to. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And thanks, My everyone, pleasure. for listening. And check us out again um, next week, Wednesday at 6, or find us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, and here, heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.